Uh, Doc, are you ready for the show? Yeah, I think I'm ready. Are you going to bring the energy? A good day. It, got, it did rain, but we got a good walk in at lunch. And um, I got my infrared sauna this morning, like I do most every morning. Um, yeah, it was a great day. Great day. All right, so we're going to jump into the questions, guys. As I mentioned earlier, uh, if you got a question for Doc, go ahead and put it uh, in the in the comments. We're going to get to that at around minute 20 or so, 25. Uh, Elena on LinkedIn, I see you. Thank you for being here. Um, okay, we're going to start with a, a vitamin question. Uh, I purchased the Life Extension Vitamin C with quercetin, and I wanted to know if I take that on an empty stomach. And the context behind that is... I believe you said vitamin C should be, but this one says take with food. Um, also, for someone in, in their 40s, uh, would I take one or two tablets a day? What's your thoughts on this? Um, yeah, you can, you know, vitamin C is a water-soluble vitamin, so you can actually take it on an empty stomach. But when you use quercetin with it, like I do, um, I think you should take it with some food, especially a little bit of fat. That kind of turns it into the liposomal vitamin C. And so I take mine with food for sure. Um, if you're 40, you can certainly take two tablets a day. Um, there's no doubt about it, especially right now when um, there's still a lot of COVID going on. And you want to boost your immune system. You know, you can certainly take two a day during these uh, viral days. So I think that's perfectly reasonable. Uh, so... You know, but the water-soluble vitamins like the B, the B vitamins and C, you could actually take by themselves on an empty stomach. But um, I still prefer to take mine with quercetin. That's the one I take um, with food. All right. Thank you for that question that came in over email. Uh, this is an interesting one. We haven't talked about uh, this sort of thing in a, in a while. Um, is there a holistic or natural supplement to lower genetic cholesterol to avoid or get off of a statin? And just a little context for you, Doc. Uh, they have been on a statin for 90 days and would love to get off of it. Well, you know, you're probably talking about inherited, you say genetic cholesterol, familial type 2 hypercholesterolemia is... Um, you know what you probably have so in other words your liver just cranks out more cholesterol than it does in most people because of a mutation in one of your genes um but yeah i mean i like uh of course those levels sometimes are pretty high three four hundred sometimes um but i'd have to look at you know a breakdown of your particle size and look at your apob look at your lp little a um look at the size of your HDL particles before I would make a decision to put you on a statin or not. Not that there aren't use for statins, there are. Um, but certainly I'd like to look at it in the context of what other risk factors do you have. Um, I saw a patient today who was put on a statin because of um, a cholesterol of 200 and a calcium score of 70, uh, which are really not that bad really no other risk factors and she felt tired all the time and wanted to go off of it was not taking CoQ10 with it. So I, I'm just take her straight off of it and see, then I'll get a Cleveland in a month or two. But, um, you could always try, you know, my favorite, um, natural supplement is niacin, uh, 
to lower cholesterol. It may not lower it a great amount, um, you know, if your level's over 300, but it will raise your HDL, unlike a statin, which lowers your HDL, the good cholesterol. Um, and it tends to flush a lot of people, most everybody. So you kind of got to work your dose up. I have some special dosing protocols that I go by. And um, I usually try to use it at night with an aspirin and work your dose up real slow. So you'll be able to tolerate that, that flushing that if you take a 500 milligram over the counter off the bat, it's going to you're going to think you're having an allergic reaction to it and go to the hospital, but it's not an allergic reaction. It's a flushing. And the non-flush um, uh, niacin tablets don't work. They're niacinamide, which are good, but not for cholesterol. So um, those are some natural things. You can always take uh, bergamot. I like garlic tablets. Those are both really good for um, lowering cholesterol. Um so, and there's a, there's a few other things that we talk about for it as well. Um, read my note from today concerning another anti-aging molecule that is uh, interesting called uh, rapamycin. But, uh, but anyway, hope that helped. Uh, it's a great question there. Thank you for that answer, Doc. Um, let's go to a hormone question. Um, I am experiencing low estrogen, although I have been on bioidentical hormone replacement for over five years. Apparently, I am not metabolizing the cream. Um, what is the best time of the day to apply the bioidentical hormone replacement? And then there's a question around what other recommendations would you have to assist with the metabolism of bioidentical hormone replacement i'll go back to this to the kind of the original context here uh what's your That's thoughts a on common this? question I, I saw a patient today just like that um despite fairly high doses of, of bias on the on the hrt cream um you know the levels just aren't real high you know sometimes i'll start checking salivary levels if the blood levels aren't looking good and sometimes they'll be they'll be adequate um, but you may not be absorbing the cream and they you may not have a problem with metabolizing the cream you may not be absorbing the cream hmm. see the reason I, I don't use oral estrogens is because i don't want it to run through the liver because that can affect your clotting factors um, another reason i'm not real fond of using birth control pills which are synthetic um, hormones uh, after a certain age because the, the risk can outweigh the benefits um, Again, I'm not against birth control pills because they help prevent pregnancy and can help regulate terrible periods. But for hormone replacement, of course, I use bioidentical hormones. Uh, so you, my answer is you should think about a pellet. I guarantee we can get you your levels good with pellets. They just absorb better. Um, you know, love the pellets over any form of um, hormone replacement, male or female. I probably do four to one female to male pellets. I bet I did six to eight today. Um, so maybe think about doing the pellets. Um, that's what I do. Don't go the oral. Um, so it may be an absorption problem. And if you do use creams, you know, if we combine it, which we usually do for expense purposes, we combine it with progesterone and testosterone and DHEA and use it at night more because of the progesterone in it will help you sleep. 
Um, I don't like to separate them too much. It's too time consuming, expensive. So I like to combine them and use them at night. You might even try, if you're putting on lotions that, or things that may inhibit absorption, don't do that. It may be precluding that hormone cream from being absorbed. So think about the pellets. Um, you know, it's, it, and a lot of times it's like night and day as far as the way you feel and the absorption. I, I love the pellets. Uh, thank you. It takes for me about a minute to put in virtually painless. I mean, it's, it's awesome. Thank you for that question there. Let's go to, let's see, where are we? I already lose my place. Um, okay. How long, there's a hair, a hair growth question. Um, how long would it take to regrow a woman's hair after a recent diagnosis of Hashimoto's thyroiditis and beginning treatment with Armour Thyroid and Rogaine for the hair loss? Great question. Very common to have uh, thinning hair with hypothyroidism, um, and Hashimoto's is the most common form of hypothyroidism. Um, how long it takes? It depends on a lot of factors. Um, it's not going to be overnight. It may take a couple months, um, sometimes more. But we do a lot of stuff with hair replacement, you know, and women do not like to lose their hair, that's for sure. But it's usually a lot easier to get a woman's head or regrow. So, um, and I have a lot of strategies for use that. Like instead of Rogaine, topical Rogaine, um, Minoxidil, I, used to, I like oral Minoxidil, two and a half milligrams. Um, it works better than the topical plain Rogaine. Now, I usually combine the Minoxidil with some topicals that I have compounded that have Latisse and they have Minoxidil topical has a little bit of finasteride. Can't take this if you're childbearing age. Um, so uh, I have a lot of treatment strategies, but oral minoxidil works really well. Um, you know, biotin's a vitamin that we use as well. And I like to make sure everything else is, is uh, right. Like hair in general loves estrogen, not too fond of testosterone or DHEA sometimes. Uh, so I took a lady today off of spinal lactone uh, for her hair loss and got her on minoxidil um, because the spinal lactone was causing her potassium to go up. So, you know, with all this stuff, you got to know what you're doing. You know, one thing can affect another. There can be interactions, et cetera. So, um, you know, come in and get, get all your levels checked and let's try some new strategies on how to treat your Hashimoto's and follow your TPO antibody levels and consider LDN low dose naltrexone for Hashimoto's. Go back and look at my podcast I did from a couple of weeks ago on Hashimoto's. Um, you know, sometimes I even do PRP injections to the scalp. It's really getting thin and it works. So um, I hope that helps you. A great question there. Um, this is a fun one. Um, heading out of town for a week and excited to not pack all of my vitamins since you, since you have taught us that it is okay to take a break for a week. I love this. Um, the question is, yeah. would it be okay to only take my magnesium since I definitely want to sleep well on vacation? Or will this cause some type of imbalance only taking one thing for a week? No, not at all. Not at all. If you took one B vitamin alone, sometimes it can deplete the other B vitamins. Uh, that's why I like a B complex vitamin. Um, 
So never try to take one B vitamin alone. Hmm. A lot of people make that mistake with B12 and they only take B12. They're depleting their other B vitamins. So, um, but magnesium is a different ball game. You can definitely take magnesium and I would. So hopefully you're going to the beach and you'll get plenty of sun and vitamin D while you're there. Um, so that, that is fine. All right. Hope you have a, a wonderful vacation. Uh, uh, let's see here. Let's get to a, um, this is a knack question. Okay. Here's a, a couple of them here. Um, what are your thoughts on NAC as an alternative to currently available thrombolytic agents? What would you consider a safe dose? And then uh, I'll let you go ahead and answer that, and there's a little bit of a follow-up. Oh, man, you're taking a deep dive on NAC there. Um, yeah, they have done some experiments using intravenous NAC, um, is an alternative to something like TPA, tissue plasminogen activator, for people coming in uh, for with clots that they need to dissolve. So there is some, as far as a safe dose on the intravenous, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure there's been any human trials on that. So I'm not, I'm not sure on the intravenous dose. Certainly with an oral dose, which you're not going to use to acutely break up a a blood clot, um, I consider 400 to 600 an average dose for NAC orally to raise your glutathione levels. Um, and of course, NAC is useful to reverse uh, acetaminophen Tylenol overdoses in kids. It saves their life. Mucomist. Um, and I did notice over the weekend they finally, Amazon's put it back on their shelves. So, you know, they took it off for a while due to the controversy, but and they're back selling it. So thank goodness for that. Um, uh, it's amazing. It's been used, uh, you know, as a, a supplement for 50 years and all of a sudden they, they take it off, but it's back. So um, as far as, you know, there is, there are some studies that, that say it, it may be, um, you know, a good alternative to dissolve those clots for, you know, heart attacks, strokes, that type of thing. Um, and the thing about it, um, it doesn't run the danger of, you know, bleeding elsewhere. Um, sometimes it'll break the clot up and may not be as dangerous to overbleed, like say in your brain. So there, that's a work in progress. I'm certainly taking a deep dive on it, but, um, yeah, it's a good question. All right. I'll certainly take it. Yeah, I love NAC. And this is a, another NAC question. How do you feel about taking NAC along with anticoagulants or antiplatelets medications? Yeah, you can still do it. You can still combine NAC with aspirin or uh, even some of the other prescription anticoagulants if you want. Um, you know, it's, it probably has a synergistic effect. Um, but it's one of those experimental off-label things, but probably has good use. And I don't think it's going to hurt you. All right. Thank you for that. I'm going to put up, uh, Alice's comment here just because anybody who is, uh, considering pellets, Dr. Rogers, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the encouragement about hormone pellets. I absolutely feel the best I have in years, have so much more energy and I'm sleeping so much better. Uh, Alice, thank you for, for the, for the comment there. 
that is that's not that's something we hear quite often about the pellets, as you know, Dr. Roger was saying earlier. Thank you, Alice. Yeah, most people that go from the creams to the pellets never go back. And knock on wood, I've never had to take a pellet out. And they last four months or more, men about six months. But um, when, when I switched Jenny from the cream to the pellets, could she forget to put the cream on a lot? She said it was like night and day in the way she felt. Hmm. So um, hear that daily. But uh, literally today, I bet I did, I bet I did eight pellets today. All women today. I don't think I did a man, a man's pellets today. Um, so really, uh, thank you for that. You're right. I mean, people really love the pellets. Uh, thank you for that comment, Alice. I'm putting this up from Dr. Sammons, a good friend of ours. Um, she is saying also clearing fungal infections, which produce my, my, mycotoxins, mycotoxins. We'll take, Myco, a, yeah. we'll take a load off liver and reduce cholesterol. This is in regards to the cholesterol question. Great with, point. Uh, with uh, the statins. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for that, Dr. Sammons, uh, for putting that in there. And uh, so pumped that you're I called here. Denise, I don't, Dr. Sammons, the, the parasite and fungal uh, expert. I love it. Very knowledgeable, yeah. It's a very natural way to do things. Um, you know, you gotta consider when you're put on a statin, you better have a pretty good reason to get on one. Um, it's not that I'll never use one. I do sometimes, rarely. Um, but uh, just be careful. They can cause side effects. You certainly have to uh, keep it on liver function tests and muscle rhabdomyolysis and um, a lot of other things, general fatigue. And you have to take CoQ10 with it. It'll deplete your CoQ10 levels, which is used for energy to produce ATP. Um, so that's a great comment. Thank you, uh, Dr. Sammons. Thank you for that. Let's get uh, to, to a fasting question. As you know, we did a, a, a Common Sense MD epi episode on fasting last week. Um, how often is it safe to do a 40-hour fast? What would you recommend? Yeah, you know, I did, I did the 40-hour fast and loved it. Um, gosh, you could do one. You know, I plan to do one every month. But certainly a lot of people do one every week safe you know anything past 40 hours you got to start looking at your electrolytes um but yeah i mean you could you could do it weekly if you wanted um some people do intermittent fasting not by doing the 17 on seven off that i do every day they'll do a day on a day eat a day no eat they'll do every other day fast so not 40 hours but more like 24 hours every other day um, is there, I don't want to do that, but some people like it. So it, it seems like it's more of like a lifestyle type, uh, decision, um, in terms of yep. whether it's once a month, once a week, um, every other day seems extreme to me, but, but you're saying it's safe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. All right. Thank you for that question. Uh, let's see here. Uh, where am I? Please talk about the BRCA gene a bit and what you would recommend a patient to do if they test positive for it. Postmenopausal person that is on BHRT. So the BRCA gene is the most potent gene that causes uh, breast cancer. So obviously you probably have a lot of breast cancer in your family. Um, it also can lead to, lead to increased incidences of like ovarian cancer. 
So most people that have it and have a strong family history of breast cancer, um, a lot of them get bilateral mastectomies and uh, TAH with BSO, which means they take your uterus and ovary out. And then, of course, uh, get on hormone replacement if you want to, which, you know, unless you're scared of it. But, um, but yeah, um, postmenopausal that is on BHRT. Remember, bioidentical hormone replacement does not cause breast cancer. Um, now, if you have breast cancer, you probably don't want to take any form of estrogen and probably progesterone if you're, um, you know, if you have, if you have active cancer. Um, and again, uh, it's, it's kind of a controversial subject, but, um, so a lot of times, uh, I'll recommend, and again, when you have breast cancer, they do, uh, the pathology on that breast cancer and see if it's estrogen or progesterone sensitive. Certainly if you are, you don't want any kind of, uh, estrogen or progest progestin, even, um, bioidentical, meaning it comes from plants. Um, but one thing you could consider, uh, post-surgery, like um, if you've had breast cancer, is testosterone pellets. There's a lot of evidence that testosterone pellets um, will prevent recurrence of breast cancer. So, I mean, you got a lot of decisions to make. I would consider you talk to a genetic counselor, you know, before you get a bilateral mastectomy and then your ovaries and uterus taken out. Um, but certainly if you've had breast cancer and you've got the BRCA gene, um, you know, you really, cause it's a really high incidence of, of both those. I think Angelina Jolie's the, the most famous one that had that done because of the BRCA gene. But, you know, it's, it's something you don't need to take lightly. You need to really uh, consider what you need to be doing here. Mm. Uh, um, so a lot of it depend on your individual history um, you know, and, and decisions on use of BART depends on whether you've had breast cancer, what your mammograms have looked like, um, you know, so, uh, but again, I don't believe that, um, bioidentical hormones precipitate breast cancer. They can make it worse if you're estrogen or progesterone sensitive and you have breast cancer. So you got to really be cautious with it um and if you're having symptoms you know there again there's a lot of more natural things you can do uh without being a a real hormone even a bioidentical hormone of course great question there um that's going to help a, a lot of people thank you for uh for for emailing us that question that's a great question um let's question. let's go to um I don't know what this is. Um, have you had or treated patients with sarcoidosis? It's a good pronunciation. Yeah, I have, of course. Um, it's one of those autoimmune diseases that it, it kind of scars your lungs up and can impair your pulmonary function. Uh, you know, I've picked up a lot of sarcoid through just routine chest x-rays in, in the past. It's kind of a weird disease. Um, you know, nobody knows exactly how to treat it. You know, I usually get an opinion from a rheumatologist and a pulmonologist who treat a lot of it. 
um, a lot of times it won't cause a lot of problems. Sometimes it can cause a lot of major problems. Um, but it depends on the involvement and how much sarcoid you do have. So my advice to you, yes, I have seen it and treated it, but I like to get an expert opinion on it. Mm. Great question. Thank you. For While doing all those other things that you need to do for an immune system. So sometimes what we'll do is, is look at other things because once you have one of those, you're more likely to get another. So certainly look at gut function and try to straighten out all that stuff. Is there any history of Lyme disease or um, some sort of precipitating infection? Um, you, know, you probably have some gut dysfunction as well. So, you know, what we like to do is work with you on those things and making sure your, your immune system is healthy as it can be. Um, but great question. But get an expert to do a baseline evaluation on sarcoid. Thank you for that question. Came on Instagram. Um, this is another Instagram question. Um, what are the benefits of IV cocktails? When should you take one and how often? Great question. I love IV cocktails, especially the Myers. That's the most popular one we have. We do them every day in the offices. Um, well, you know, they're, they're just super doses of vitamins. And, um, you know, and we use them for different reasons. Like, you know, if you've had cancer or things like that, we use very high dose of vitamin C. All, all the stuff's off label. I mean, you can't go around claiming IV vitamin C cures cancer. But, um, man, it's a great one. Um, but the, the typical ones, like sometimes we'll just, you're dehydrated and we'll give you a liter of normal saline. But the most common one we use is um, the Myers. Mm -hmm. Plus, we do a lot of ones for like a banana bag for recuperation from uh, hangovers, that type of thing. But um, a lot of times, like I'll get them when I'm sick. I certainly went out of COVID. I took one every day. I took a Myers every day. It was awesome. Um, and if you're really just dragged out and tired, um, you, you're jet lagged, you took the red eye from California, you have to work, I give them to a lot of executives. Um, but man, they'll turn you around if you're really tired most of the time pretty quickly. Um, I remember one that I got, um, I thought I was going to miss my first day of work and 36 years because I, I forget what I'd done, but I hadn't had any sleep. I'd really, I was burning the candle at both ends. I'm, I don't know if I was jet lagged, but I literally was going to cancel all my patients that day and um, ask Katie to give me a, a Myers. And um, <laughs> I literally had to have help to, to get in my office that day. And I'm a pretty fit guy, as you know, Ben, much fitter than you are. Um, <laughs> kidding. But anyway, <laughs> I'm not kidding you. In a half hour, I was feeling like I am now. I was feeling normal. So, yeah, and they seem to, they seem to help fibromyalgia patients, chronic fatigue. Um, try one and see what you think. I mean, I really like them. And then for more serious things, I'll use higher dose uh, vitamin C infusions, and they really work well. Um, you really, you're really getting the medicine where it needs to be. Uh, so hope that helps. Uh, huge fans of IV cocktails. Thank you for that question. 
Um, we're going to get into a methylene blue question. Uh, where can you get methylene blue? Uh, I'll go ahead and what I'll do is we'll, we'll put it in. I'll put it in the, the comments at some point. Um, it, you can get it on Amazon. What is the one thing they need to look for, Doc, uh, when getting methylene blue? Uh, it needs to be um, pharmaceutical grade. We have it at all our offices. You know, just use eight drops in a four ounce glass of water for six ounce. But um, I drank mine today. Um, a lot of uses. Go go look at my podcast on methylene blue. Um, it's great for COVID, shortness of breath, and decreased energy. Great for UTI prevention and treatment. Uh, it's an antifungal. I don't know if Denise uses much of that or not, uh, but it just has such a great safety profile. It's gonna, the only thing it's going to do is turn your tongue blue and maybe a little bluish tint to your urine. But I really like methylene blue. Um, use that it for a lot of different reasons, and yeah, we'll give you the website. You can order it off Amazon. You, we should stock it in our offices if you're near. Uh, and, and I do, so you, you can get it on Amazon, look for pharmaceutical grade. Um, I w I'll, I'll link in the comments uh, one that we've uh, sent out to people on Amazon. Um, the This question has to do with the safety profile. Uh, my only hesitation is that I take carbidopa slash levodopa, rizagaline, and rivastigmine. Rivastigmine. Do any of these have conflicts with methylene blue? You know, there's some question about that. Um, I haven't seen it. I haven't purposely put anybody on it uh, for that. So if you try it, then um, just start out at a really low dose and see if it bothers you. I don't know if, you know, if, if you have Parkinson's, sounds like it. Um, so you may want to clear it with your neurologist before you do it. They don't like you trying anything without their permission can't blame them because they use these other medicines a lot more than I do. So you might want to clear it with them first. And if you do decide to take it, take a real low dose of it. Um, but uh, I'm going to do a podcast probably in the next, this week on um, an interesting uh, medication that I use for Parkinson's. It's kind of uh, off label kind of, addition is nicotine uh you have to listen uh to my thoughts about nicotine uh not to be confused with niacin or nicotinic acids no relation to it at all nicotine's the the stuff you see in cigarettes which is bad but actually the nicotine in it is the only good thing in a cigarette and nicotine actually can have a lot of benefits especially for parkinson's patients and for uh cognitive problems so look forward to that uh podcast i'll probably do it next week um but anyway uh check with your doc first if they don't want you on it don't take it if you do take it start out slow and it just depends on the reason you're taking it and most of the time i'm prescribing this is for a long hauler you know or for somebody in a nursing home with chronic utis and and things like that but um it's really interesting uh methylene blue is a substance that we used to reverse uh, carbon monoxide poisoning and cyanide poisoning uh, so uh, interesting compound it's been around since 
1860s. I think it was the first antibiotic ever made way before penicillin. And it's also an anti-parasitic cure malaria. It's a precursor to hydroxychloroquine. Um, but because it was a dye, they, they ended up using hydroxychloroquine as a prescription medicine to, for malaria. But um, really interesting it, compound. So that's my thoughts on it for you. It is super fascinating. And uh, what we'll do is um, that came over on Facebook. I'll make sure I'll make sure they get that that Amazon link um, to uh, methylene blue. Um, guys, we're getting ready to go into the live comments here. Uh, we're going to answer your questions live here on the show. Uh, but before that, we did we did have a, a question come in about your pickleball injury. Uh, how how's your pickleball injury doing? Hey, thank you. What, what's your what's your what's your uh, is it prognosis? Is that what we would say? Thank you for asking that. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's prognosis to see how I'm doing, but yeah, it's better. Knock on wood. Um, I've even started doing some light squats and and uh, very light deadlifts. So I'm gonna I'm gonna rehab through weightlifting, especially deadlifts, which is probably the number one exercise you could ever do that hip hinger that's so important as you age but as you know i, I had prp in that uh, jill injected me with prp and uh, i think it's really helping i really do um and i've also done another little thing on the side i've been i'm injecting uh, bpc 157 subcutaneous into the area not into the knee joint itself like prp but just subcutaneous around the area of inflammation and that seems to be helping too so all those things are good i don't want to um, get surgery for what's probably a small meniscal tear uh, but that's really nice for you asking and one thing i love pickleball but you know one thing don't jump up and hit the ball between your legs you know and then come down and jam and kind of twist your knee you can i think i was writing checks my body couldn't cash pin Guys, stick with the fundamentals if you're going to play pickleball. Stick with the fundamentals. Uh, slowly work your way into the net, uh, but don't go in the kitchen. Um, <laughs> uh, all right, guys, we're, we're going to the live, uh, the live comments here. We appreciate everyone that's with us live. Uh, we're going to get to as many questions as possible. So if you have a question for Doc, put in the comments. We're uh, jumping in those now. Uh, Tracy, I see you. Great to, great to see you in here. Um, let's see if we, where's my first question? Let's get to Bianca. Uh, D Lynn's in here. D Lynn, what's up? Um, Bianca asks, if you live long enough, do you think knee replacements are inevitable or do you think that you can keep your knees healthy even into your eighties? Yeah, I do. I really do. Um, you know, gosh, I can tell you a lot of people my age have already had knee and hip replacements. Uh, but yeah, I really do. You know, a lot of it depends on if you've had previous injury um some people genetically are able to run past 50 most people are not hmm. so i don't recommend running you know long distance after 50 unless you you're one of those genetic freaks that can do it um but that's why i really like cycling and i like building your muscle through things like deadlifts etc but um in any event um, so yeah, take your collagen, you know, avoid, you know, keep your knees strong. 
you know, keep that VMO strong, that muscle that wraps around the inner part of your knee that's so important in knee stability. So do your proper form deadlifts and squats. Very important. Um, keep your hips strong because they connect to the knees. Hip and knee uh, strength go, go together. So certainly do everything you can. And it's not inevitable that you're going to have knee replacements. I mean, you should live to, to 100 and not have to have artificial joints. And, and they're coming along so well with things they're doing like stem cells, of course, PRP. And there's so many different things we're going to be doing in the next two years with what we call regenerative medicine. Um, so it's really interesting to prolotherapy. A lot of cool stuff that's around the corner that, you know, orthopedic surgeons are already doing. Um, uh, but they're the ones that are on the forefront. Uh, so, heck, yeah, you, you sure can. Great question, Bianca. Thank you for that. Um, this is from Rowell. Um, I, I think Rowell had a couple family members with COVID recently. Uh, Dr. Rogers, my wife had COVID about a month ago and recovered very well, but still has a knacking cough. Suggestions, suggestions, please. Yeah. A lot of people are just prone to a nagging cough, um, irritable cough. Doesn't mean you have pneumonia. Sometimes it's reflux. Sometimes it's drainage from the sinuses. Um, there's a lot of things you can do for cough. I'm sure Denise has some good naturopathic ways too, but I like ginger for cough. Um, Prescription-wise, a Teslam Pearl it sometimes is pretty good. You might even try taking a short course of an anti-reflux medicine like Pepsid um, or, and take a, a blocker like something like Claritin or Zyrtec at night because it makes you drowsy and see if that doesn't help it. Um, but some people just have that tickle cough from a little bronchospasm. Um, you know, it'd be interesting to see. Uh, I like NAC, NAC also. You might try taking 600 milligrams of NAC. It's the same medicine we use for as mucomist for Tylenol overdoses. Um, so you might try some of that. Um, so interesting. That It should go away. Um, hopefully it's not productive. Sometimes I'll even use ivermectin in a short round of, of steroids a little bit. If you're not getting anywhere. Uh, thank you, Rowell. We're going to go to uh, uh, Williams. Uh, uh, oh, and comment. honey, and honey. Try, please try honey. Oh, honey, Rowell. Um, uh, so, honey. so, so try honey as well. Raw, local, unpasteurized honey. Raw, local, and unpasteurized. I'm sorry for moving on too fast there. Uh, Williams' question is: Tom, what can one do for neuropathy in their feet? Well, depends on what is the cause of the neuropathy. I like to try to find the answer. I had a lady today who had bilateral neuropathies of feet and hands. Um, I'm not sure I'm working her up. It didn't, doesn't follow anything, really, any patterns. It's worse at night. Um, but, um, you know, I like vitamin B6. You can take too much of it. It can make it worse. But if you have a little depletion in it, it can cause neuropathy. So get you a little B6. Try that. Um, just one pill a day. Um, think about, I think it's 
I forget the milligram on that. But um, let's take one life extension B6 a day. Um, you know, if you're diabetic, of course, that's the most common reason. Or sometimes you could have, um, you know, some facet joint arthropathy in your lumbosacral spine. You could have back problems that can cause it. Um, usually it's one-sided worse than the other, but can be bilateral. Um, your circulation may be impaired. You may try uh, magnesium at night if you're not on that. Um, but, you know, you might want to get some blood work to see where you're at and see if you've had some back problems. Check your reflexes. There's some unusual causes for it, too. Um, you know, sometimes it's just like pins and needles. Um, but it deserves a workup to see kind of what's causing it. Try B6. Um, I like NAC because it increases your glutathione in that realm. I don't know how long it's been going on, but it deserves a workup and try to find a root cause. All right, William, thank you for that question. We're getting a lot of great comments around the cholesterol question, so thank you for uh, putting those in here. And that kind of goes with Robin's question here. What about using red yeast rice to lower cholesterol? A lot of people do. You know, it's more of a natural statin. You know, if you do use it, certainly use CoQ10. And if it starts giving you muscle aches, uh, stop it. You know, so add CoQ10. The only problem with red yeast rice is sometimes the quality control is not as good. So you're not sure what dose you're getting. So I'm not against it, but just monitor yourself and certainly check some liver function tests a couple months after you start it. Start slow, add CoQ10. I'm okay on it. All right. Thank you, Robin, for that question. Uh, here's Vicky's question. Should I be concerned with my intake of folic acid from food with my MTHFR gene? Uh, hold on one second. I just lost my place there. Um, I have read that it could interfere with metabolic processes. Also, what is a safe B6 supplement amount? I have 100 milligrams pyridoxal from life extension. Is there any concern of toxicity? You just answered my question, 100 milligrams is about the right dose. Um, yeah, I wouldn't go over 200 milligrams. It can make neuropathies or things worse. Remember, don't just take one B vitamin, but don't take folic acid if you have the MTHFR gene. You need to take methylfolate uh, along with B6 and probably methyl B12. Watch your homocysteine levels. So not folic acid, methylfolate. That's probably what you mean. Um, but yeah, it has a lot to do with metabolic processes, uh, the conversion of homocysteine into methionine. Um, so if you have that, you know, six, seven, seven TT single or double mutant gene, you're more at risk for blood clotting and all kinds of things. So watch your homocysteine level, see what type of genetic abnormality you have. And uh, you're probably going to be taking should take the methylated, not folic acid. The folic acid can make it worse. As far as food from it, probably not. I don't think so. Um, you know, eat good foods, eat vegetables. And not, I wouldn't hold back on kale because of that. Um, sometimes if you're on cumin and blood clotting medicines that I don't use much of, um, it could interfere with 
some of those clotting factors if you eat certain foods like kale and broccoli and green even green green veggies spinach so um, great question but come in and talk about mthfr gene great question vicky thank you for that um let's see uh this is candy's question on youtube what is your take on eggs i have hashimoto's margo gave me such great information in your jc office about not doing dairy so i was wondering if eggs would be okay thank you shout out to uh margo our newest pa she's going to be in fountain city here shortly uh but you'll see her yeah. in the in the kingsport red house now yeah. uh what what's the yeah, what's your take really on She's really good with autoimmune stuff, especially having Hashimoto's herself, but she's really good. Um, yeah, I mean, eggs can be good and bad. Um, eggs may be the perfect food for a lot of people, but some people can't take them. I mean, it is dairy, but otherwise it's a pretty good food for most people. I don't take, I don't eat eggs anymore because on a couple of reasons. Number one, um, my TMAO level is kind of high, and if it is, uh, it has a lot to do with your gut microbiome. You shouldn't take, uh, you shouldn't eat egg yolks or eat a lot of things that have choline in them, like egg yolks, um, or probably even red meat. So listen to your gut. Um, the other thing I did a, a food allergy test on myself years ago and it said I was allergic to egg whites. So I admittedly have done better when I don't eat eggs. Now, rarely will I still eat some rarely but I just they're not part of my diet i'm not against them it may be the perfect food for a lot of people um so uh see how your gut reacts to them keep an eye on your your tmao levels and uh your your tpo levels you know uh for your hashimoto's and see if it raises it or lowers it so go slow and see how you do with it um so a lot, of, a lot of different factors in that. So don't say, no, I can't eat every eggs again. You may be able to. Great question, Candy. That's, I, I really like that. That's very, um, you know, thoughtful. And because eggs are, you know, like you said, they're, they're a great food for a lot of people. So uh, thank you, Candy, for that question. Um, this is a good one. Um, Trevor on Facebook is saying, uh, I'm going to be a grandfather in December. First of all, congrats. Congrats, Trevor, on that. Um, the vaccine, the vaccine schedule today has a lot more shots than years ago. What are your thoughts about this? Are there any that you would recommend to avoid? Um, what's your thoughts? Yeah. You know, it seems like, um, for these kids, they seem like they give a lot of vaccines all together. You know, I wish they'd space them out. So if there's any way your pediatrician can do that, uh, that's something that you might want to think about, spacing them out. And I have no idea why a newborn needs a hepatitis B shot. I just don't think they're at risk for having hepatitis B as, as, as kids and infants. And so I don't know. So what I'll do is get a, get a pediatrician that's going to listen to you um, on the vaccine schedules. You know, it seems like there's a lot and a lot more vaccines, um, you know, so um talk to a good pediatrician who can kind of answer that question hopefully maybe space them out a little bit uh, i really can't talk about vaccines on this forum too much this is true um okay let's go to uh, thank you for that question trevor um let's go to uh where am i at here uh lori's question 
what is the dosage of niacin for lowering genetic high cholesterol? Great question. Here's what I, here's my protocol. I'll start out at 100 milligrams, which I have to order special because over the counter they're 500 milligrams. You'll take one of those and you'll never take it again. So I'll start out at 100 milligrams and give it at night and take it with a baby aspirin if, you, if you're able to do that. Um, some people even say a little bit, a teaspoon of applesauce for some reason. I guess it acts as a buffer. But in any event, take 100 milligrams at night. Every four nights, advance it up by another 100 milligrams until you hit a gram, 1,000 milligrams. If you're tolerating it well, then check your cholesterol back. If it's not where you want it, you can slowly work your way up to two grams and see how it, see how it works. Um, but niacin's a good, it's a really good beneficial B vitamin, vitamin B3, a lot of other reasons too. Uh, but just work your way up slow with slowly going up on the 100 milligram uh, tablets and see how you tolerate it. And you'll, you'll sleep through the flushing anyway, usually. And it's not an allergic reaction. It's just, it's a vasodilator. It's a flusher. Don't buy the non-flush niacin. Won't work. All right. Great question, Lori. Um, Roel is saying, doctor, I've been taking DHEA 50 milligrams and feel amazing. Is it okay to bump it up to 100 milligrams? I'm about to turn 53. You could. You know, check your levels and see. Just check your blood levels. You know, the only thing with DHEA, if you get too high, especially in women, I've seen some hair loss. Um, but, yeah, a good dose is 50 milligrams for men, good high dose. I, I've had guys push it up to 100 and do fine with it. Um, but um, just because you're turning 53 doesn't mean a lot. You know, keeping on, you know, 53 uh, is a new 30. So, Especially with a guy like you takes care of his health. So um, you may you may get a little thinning of the hair if you push it too high, though. Uh, so keep an eye on your levels and see. If 50 is working great for you, never change a winning game plan. Sometimes people want, they think, you know, they overdo things. Like if they think a little bit's good, a lot's going to be great. Not necessarily slow. So even with the vitamin. All right. I Check like, your levels. I like that. Um, thank you for that question, Roel. Um, let's get to, let's see, um, Lisa's question. Uh, have you heard of Wharton's jelly knee injections to help with wear and tear knee pain? What's your thoughts on this? Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It's uh, embryonic tissue, you know. Um, you can get an umbilical cord. Some people are doing it. Um, yeah, it's stem cells. And it's really good quality stem cells. The only problem with it, you're probably going to have to go to another country to get it. It's not FDA approved in the United States yet. Um, otherwise, I'd definitely be doing it. Um, you know, for right now, the FDA only looks favorably on your own bone marrow or your own fat to derive your stem cells from. Um, but there are some places that still use it. Kind of, It's one of those really, you know, gray areas i guess because of where is it coming from you know i don't know if the testing has been adequate to ensure sterility and things um so you know, there's always things out there that we've never heard of 
viruses that may be in uh, some of the, the blood products and tissue products that we haven't discovered yet. So that's always somewhat of a risk, I guess. So uh, that's probably the reason the FDA doesn't approve it for that in the United States. But um, certainly there's some people that do it. You could probably find it, maybe even in the U.S. Great question, Lisa. Thank you for that. Um, I'm going to put this up here just because I think it's great. Uh, D. Lynn, sorry I left. I had a bear in the front yard. <laughs> had to get a pick. Man. <laughs> wow. There's a lot of bears around here, too. Yeah. Yeah, there's. Really a lot. Yeah. Well, shoot. Stay, stay safe, D. Lynn. Um, okay. I hope it wasn't a grizzly. I bet it was a black bear. They're scared of people. Just don't uh, mess with them around their young ones. That's true. But they're scary, though, aren't they? I, I have a funny bear story. I was... Uh, I was riding bikes on, on the, um, uh, what's it called? Um, Cage Cove. Greenbelt? Cage Cove. Oh, okay. So one day a week, one morning a week, they let you uh, ride your bike around Cage Cove. And uh, I was riding my bike, and I noticed people stopping, and, and saw this bear. There's a bear basically, you know, walking through the, the bike path. And I got, I got so scared. I turned around and, uh, and I went the opposite direction, but this Cage Cove loop is, is like, there's so many bikers and it's a one way thing. It's one way. They don't want you going back that way. It was. So anyways, a lot of people were mad at me, uh, because I almost got in a couple wrecks over trying to avoid this bear. Um, but next, next time I wouldn't do that. I would just stay put. Uh, it wasn't, you know, there's, I've seen bears on Cade's Cove before. They're fun. You know, they're not going to bother you if you don't bother them. There have been very few black bear attacks. You know, you cannot outrun a bear. No, you cannot outclimb them. Just don't feed them or mess with them. Just look at them and don't bother them. Of course, don't be stupid. I've seen some stupid things. You know, you cannot run a bear. I bet you I could outride one on my bike though. You think? Because I'm a bike rider. I bet I could. Yeah. I, I almost guarantee you I can outrun a bear on my bicycle. Hopefully we don't ever, we don't ever find that out under the, uh, find the truth of that out. But I'm, I'm, I'd, I'd back you on that. I, th I think you're right. Um, There's a bear spray. You can always get bear spray if you're really worried. Um, let's get to Paul's question. Is, is it okay to take B12 daily? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It is. Oh. I take it every day. Sure. All right, Paul. Yeah. No, you don't need shot a B12 shot daily, but a pill, certainly. If you ever see a B12 level that comes back high, greater than 2,000, ignore it. It just means you're taking B12. It's water soluble. It's not going to hurt you. Um, we're going to take, so we're going to say I take one more question, and that's uh, Melissa's on Facebook. And then, Mark, I see you there. I'll get to, I'll get to yours uh, next week. Um, let's see. Melissa is asking, I'm 54 years old and postmenopausal. Uh, I often wake up during the night, usually at 3 a.m. What can I do to better sleep at night? Man, one thing is to evaluate your hormones. Progesterone is like a woman's Valium. It helps you sleep, relaxes you, balances your estrogen levels out. So look at your hormone levels. Think about bioidentical hormone replacement. Try, I'm sure you've tried melatonin and some of the other stuff. Maybe GABA, L-theanine, ashwagandha, that type thing. 
Um, but, you know, melatonin, I'm always for starting slow and working its way up. Um, but, yeah, and maybe wear, a, you know, an aura ring and see how much, like I do every day, see that ring tells me how much REM, how much deep, sleep onset, latency, awakenings, light sleep, heart rate variability, body temperature at night. There's always two great factors, overriding factors that you will get better sleep with. One is no light in the room and especially blue light. And the other one is uh, cold temperature. You need a cold, go to bed the same time, get up the same time, don't exercise or drink or eat for four hours before you go to bed, maybe a little water, but um, so there's a lot of sleep hygiene measures. If you have sleep apnea, look at that. But I see sleep disturbances in menopause, andropausal age, very commonly, very common problem. Um, but it can be helped. Um, there's a lot of things you can do to improve your sleep because you're not sleeping. You're not going to be healthy. If your gut's dysfunction, you're not going to be healthy. If you're emotionally imbalanced, it's going to be very hard to stay healthy. Uh, so all those things I always tell people that sleeps, sleep ranks way up there. Uh, are you breathing through your nose? Are you breathing through your mouth? Um, you're sleeping on your back. You're sleeping on your side. You're sleeping on your stomach or sleeping posture. Um, you might even check your, like my aura ring checks my oxygen saturations at night. So all those things, there's a lot of stuff you can try. You need to be evaluated, especially with the hormones. Um, a lot of times I'll just use progesterone just for sleep. I take it even as a male. I take a little bit of progesterone. It lowers my estrogen levels. Uh, Melissa, Balances. thank you so, so much for that question. Uh, sorry, Doc, did I cut you off? No. Um, real quick, let's, let's, we'll probably go into deep depth on this next week, but, uh, Mark is saying in 2023, FDA is going to approve hydrogel for knee and hip deterioration injections. Any, any initial thoughts on this? No, I hope they do. I think there's, like I said, there's a lot of stuff around the corner. You know, there really is. I wish you put Wharton's jelly in there, stuff like that. But, you know, the FDA is always way behind in things, but you know, for, I guess a good reason. They want it to be safe. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm excited about the future with joint. That regenerative medicine is going to be really, really fun to watch. I guarantee you I'll be taking advantage of it, you know, with my joints as much as I've been active. And um, But muscle, you need to build muscle. Lift weights. It helps your bones. It helps your cartilage. It helps your ligaments it helps your tendons and you lose muscle every year muscle is important muscle also runs your metabolism think about muscle when you think about bones think about muscle when you think about balance think about muscle when you think about brain think about muscle hmm. um so a lot, of, a lot of good things. I love that. Um, thank you for that question, Mark. Um, Matt is wanting to know, is it is, is Ike going to make an appearance tonight? We're going to get... We Man, gonna... Matt, I hope he's here. <laughs> hopefully, Maybe he'll come down here in just hope, a second. Hopefully he didn't run away. Uh, we're going to get Mike here, uh, not Mike, Ike here in a second. Uh, I want to get, this is actually a question I don't know, and I saw it, uh, and I missed it, Bianca's question. Is Bob's honey raw and unpasteurized? Yes. Yeah. Okay. It, it is. 
Okay. No additives. It's fantastic. You know, he won a taste contest here too. Did he really? The other day on his honey. Yeah. Um, our own little taste contest. Uh, All natural, raw, unpasteurized. Bianca's talking about my uncle Bob, uh, Doc's brother. Um, Bob Rogers uh, has his friends with Lisa. Yeah, have them send you some honey. Yeah. See how you like it. I love it. I eat it every day. Well, here's all right. We got the how big this guy's getting. We got the star of the show. What's going on, Ike? <laughs> for those for those who are new to the show, uh, Ike is uh, my parents' dad. Uh, my parents' dad. My parents' dog uh, in Kingsport, Tennessee, and he makes an appearance every uh, every show at the end. He he loves the camera too much. He's like got perfect eye contact and everything. Um, he's definitely a lot cuter than me. Look at this. He's a cute dog. <laughs> uh, but we certainly do appreciate you guys. I, everyone who's, who's been with us for this, gosh, we've been on it for about an hour, a little over an hour. Y'all uh, hung out with us the whole time. We really appreciate that. Uh, we got, man, Ike just has so many fans. Sherry, we got Bianca, we got uh, Marks. Everybody loves Ike. We got, we got babysitters. Uh, uh, Tracy uh, is saying she'll babysit him. Goodness. Um, <laughs> he's a cute dog, but he's chewing a lot of stuff. He tried to chew our computer up the other night. <laughs> uh, Karen, I see you. Thank rested. you for that. Um, he is getting big. Um, all right, guys, uh, that's going to do it for the Thanks, night. I, Ike is the symbol that the show is, is, is over for the week. Uh, Paul, thank you for saying that. Uh, we appreciate, uh, all the great questions. Thank you for hanging out with us, Paul. Uh, this evening. Uh, Grandma Mary, I love you. Thank you for, for being with us uh, as always. Uh, we love all you guys. Um, thank you for all the questions. Um, Doc, any, any parting thoughts? Uh, no, I don't think I have any more words of wisdom tonight. You're going to, you're going to go for a I'll walk? I'll have some next week. I'll probably go for a walk or bike ride. Yeah. All right, guys. I do it every night. We're going to get out of here. We really appreciate y'all. This has been the Performance Medicine Show. We do this show every single Tuesday at 7 p.m. on YouTube, Facebook, and LinkedIn. This is where we answer your health and wellness questions. If you've not subscribed to the YouTube channel, help us get to 10,000 subscribers. We're getting so close. Uh, we appreciate the, the people who have already very subscribed. Close. We're very close. We're so close. We're so close. Uh, but we love you guys. We'll see you again next week. Dad, love you, man. Love you, Ben. Have a good night. I'll see you in a bit. Don't go away. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, we will see you guys next time.